For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. The following is a Hoop Bowl presentation. What's up, Grizz Nation? Welcome to the show. It's your host, David Williams. Got a special guest with me today. NBA Draft Junkies lead man and member of the Lock On podcast family, Rafael Barlow. Appreciate you taking the time out of your day to join me, man. How's it going? Everything's good. No problem. Thanks for having me on as a guest. It's always fun to talk basketball and NBA draft. So this this will be fun. So we'll, we'll get to the Grizzly stuff. Okay. Who, outside of, say, the top 10 guys, who would you say is kind of, you know, in mocks and stuff like that, who would you say is like uh, the best value guy right now? This is a little all off topic. I, I didn't. I, yeah. I'm I'm trying to throw him off his game a little bit, but you know somebody yeah. that's kind of further down the board, like a, I guess maybe you would call it a sleeper, but I just don't like that term. Do, do you have one guy that stands out like that for you? Yeah, there's a guy that stands out that I'm really high on, and um, I haven't even really seen him on a lot of boards in the second round, but his name is Vrenz Blindberg. He's from Belgium. He's 6'10". He can handle the ball. Pretty good shooter. So now when I say this name, it's probably like the worst name to mention as far as the Grizzlies fan base. <laughs> but he reminds me of Chandler Parsons, but not Memphis Grizzlies Chandler Parsons. I'm talking Houston Rockets, Dallas right. Mavericks Chandler Parsons, not the guy that signed for what, like $94 million and Yeah, played the, like- the guy that they, they signed, you know, was not the guy that showed up in Memphis for sure. Yeah, so he reminds me of him as far as just his size and his ability to make plays for others. I think he has a high upside as a shooter. Um, he played in a, a good league. He played in the Champions League in Europe, which it's it's for those that don't know. So, like in Europe, you have like your domestic league. So you know your teams from Turkey play against Turkish teams. Spain plays against other teams in Spain, and then you have your Euro League, which is like top. Uh, I forgot how many teams are in it, but it's like the top teams from the different countries and and it's their own league. And then there's the Champions League, which is right below it. And I mean, it's some good it's some good basketball there. You got a lot of guys that were college stars that are playing in the Champions League. So he played in the Champions League and he competed and played well as a teenager against grown men. So I think his upside is 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 really high. And I know he's I, I talked to him recently. Um, I met him because someone had mentioned him to me by checking out his film, and I went to check it out, and then he came on my podcast a few times. So I've kind of developed, a, I guess, a friendship with him, even though I've never met him. He's starting to get some um, some workouts, so I know he has some coming up this week. But I think he's probably going to be one of the best sleepers, and if he ends up being Chandler Parsons, they could end up having a similar, a similar path because I don't think Chandler Parsons – well, I know he wasn't a first-round pick. And so, um, yeah, he, Chandler Parsons was a 38th pick in the second round. So that's my comparison, and that's probably, like, my biggest sleeper that most people have not heard of. And and how old is he right now? 
I want to say he might be like 18 or 19 years old. He's still pretty okay. young, maybe 20 at the most. But yeah, I mean, I, I really think that he has a, a pretty good upside. Okay. All right. Sorry to throw you. I was trying to uh, just kind of toss you off a little bit there. See how you done. You killed it, man. So nah, I'm prepared for this. <laughs> I, I figured you were there. There's one other guy I want to ask you about. And, and I think I'm higher on him than anybody else that I've seen. Joel AIE from Gonzaga. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I really, really like his game. And the one thing that I, f- I feel like we've not seen the best of him, right? Because yeah. Gonzaga was loaded. And so he was not the guy there. I think that he had the talent to be a, be the guy. If he went to a different school, he could have been the number one somewhere else. But he chose to go to Gonzaga. But do you feel like, like for me earlier, I, I was talking with uh, with one of the guys here at Hootball, and I'm like, you know, I know it's crazy because I see him all over big boards, you know, anywhere from like late 20s, early 30s, all the way down to like 50 in some places. Yep. But with his game and his skill set, the film that I've watched on him, I, I'm okay if the Grizzlies take him at 17. That, that's oh, wow. how high I am on him. And I know that there's going to be guys that maybe have a higher ceiling, but that's just how much I like him. Where, where are you at with him? So I have him as a second round pick, but something that you said that stood out to me was he didn't get a chance to be the guy. And I've actually had a chance to watch him in a setting where he was the guy. So it was about this time, two years ago, I went to Greece and I get it mixed up. I actually went twice that month. They had the under 18 European. No, they had the under 18 European championships. And then they had the under 19. And I think it was the world championships, right? So he played in the under 19s. And he was the man for France. And he was arguably the best player in that tournament. Now, when I mention some of the names that were in that tournament, you're going to be shocked. Cade Cunningham played in it. Um, the U.S. team had Cade. It had Tyrese Halliburton. You had Jalen Suggs was on that team. Evan Mobley was on the team. Jalen Green was on the team. All lottery guys. All lottery guys. Mm-hmm. But that French team was, you know, it was Joel's team. and He carried them. And he was one of the best players in that tournament. And... You know, you know, like sometimes you you watch a guy in the NBA, and then you see him playing for his team in France, and he's like a totally different player. Like, I mean, I guess uh, what's my man, Patty Mills comes to mind. Mm-hmm. It was similar to that, but for me, it was like, dang, you know what, this guy can really, um, you know, we haven't seen what he can do when in college. So actually, I'm, I just looked it up now. He was one of the top five players in that tournament, right? And I just named five guys on the U.S. team alone that are a lottery pick. So that's how good he was. He averaged 20 points, five rebounds, and almost four assists. So you're you're not far off with that. You're not far off at all. That's a, that's a good eye, good catch. <laughs> Appreciate it, man. All right, so let's roll into the Grizzly stuff. G- give me a couple, two or three guys. I don't know how many you had prepared. But, uh, you know, there's a lot of talent in this draft and Mm -hmm. the window from like 15 to 30, there's a lot of guys that kind of, you can interchange. There's a lot of talent there and you can make a case for different guys in different places, but who are some guys that you think could fall to the Grizzlies at 17 that would be a good fit? 
So this is, uh, and, and for those that are listening, this is definitely not scripted. We didn't prepare for this, but I have Ayai's teammate, Corey Kispert, going to the Grizzlies, which some may not think that he'll fall this far, but I have him on my mock going to Memphis at 17. And when I did my mock draft on my, I, I made a video on my YouTube channel, and I said, could you imagine a lineup, not saying it's the starting lineup, but a lineup where you have Morant on the floor with Desmond Bain and Corey Kispert on the wings? Like, I mean, you might as well roll out the red carpet. That would make Ja <laughs> even more dangerous, especially if they're running like picking pops with with, with um, Jaron Jackson. So I think that would be a good fit. I don't think the Grizzlies necessarily need a wing. And really, you can say that they may be one of the teams that don't, necessarily need a lot of help in the draft because not too many guys at 17 are going to be able to come in and crack their rotation but I think Kispert could so that would be my choice there if he's available I think that would just make their their offense even more dynamic okay all right so let, let's say Kispert is off the board and yep. you mentioned maybe they don't need a wing. They do have kind of a log jam at the wing right now. And mm-hmm. there's thoughts around the Grizzlies that they may, you know, make sort some sort of consolidation trade to, you know, move a couple of the guys to open up playing time, um, maybe even trade out of this 17 spot. But if Kispert is off the board and you're not targeting a wing, who's a guy that could be there that, that's maybe not a wing guy? Do you have anybody like that in mind? Yeah, I mean, there's, I mean, there should be quite a few options. I don't think there's a lot of fives available in this draft, but somebody like Usman Garuba from Real Madrid could be available. And you had mentioned like 15 through 30. I actually think it's even wider than that. I mean, I think from maybe nine to not necessarily 30. But I feel like after eight or nine, it can go anywhere. I mean, like Kispert could go eight or he could go 17. I think yeah. it's just uh, it's just a wide range of guys at, at this point. But as far as players that I think could be available, I mean, Memphis has so much depth right now. They could take a swing for the fences on a high upside guy like maybe Kai Jones. I, mean, I think he's high risk, high reward. Um, his teammate at, at Texas, who didn't have a strong freshman season, but he's still someone that has a lot of upside because he's just a freak athlete. That's Greg Brown. You could look at, I think, even Sharif Cooper could possibly be available. I know that at the Combine, he measured out at 6'4", which I find that really hard to believe. <laughs> but if he is 6'4", then he could end up being a lottery pick. But Trey Mann from Florida, another guard that, um, you know, I think he's like this unique three-point shot creator. Like I want to say he shot 40% from three, but about 72% of his threes were unassisted. Um, So that could be an option there. Maybe even Isaiah Jackson from Kentucky. I really like him. Yeah, he's an upside guy. I mean, I I think early in his career he's going to be considered a, a defender and a shot blocker, but he has shown some flashes of having a little bit of an offensive game. Um, that's you get any, So for Isaiah Jackson, a guy that kind of comes to mind for me for a comparison is Mitchell Robinson from the Knicks. Yeah. yeah. You know, because Mitchell Robinson doesn't have much of an offensive bag, but he, he's a monster on the defensive end. And I feel well, like, you know, Isaiah Jackson is, you know, 
the stuff that I've watched on him, this dude's trying to block every if he's in the vicinity, he's trying to block the shot. Yeah, well, you know, Mitchell Robinson thinks he has an offensive bag. Did you see those videos last summer that were coming out? Yeah, yeah, that, those it, it hasn't hilarious. translated. Yeah, it <laughs> hasn't translated into the game yet. But yeah, yeah. I, I definitely saw those videos. So that, that's uh, may, maybe eventually he'll work on that enough. We'll start to see it in the games. But so far, you, you've not seen the stuff from that video uh, show up live on the court for him. Yeah, I think he's. I don't want to use the word crazy, but I think he has the guts to try it. He was just hurt this year, but I, I can see a, a healthy Mitchell Robinson next year doing his James Harden impersonation a couple of times, <laughs> but Tibbs would take him off, <laughs> but yeah, he thinks he has a real offensive bag. Yeah, get the, uh, the Jalen Rose, uh, irrational confidence award for Mitch Robinson. Huh? Yes. Yes. You got to have it sometimes, but, um, yeah, I mean, I think Isaiah Jackson would, would be good. I don't, I don't know if he could, honestly, I don't even know if he could crack the rotation and get minutes. Cause I mean, I, I, I think about how, Tillman, how effective he was, yeah, and yeah, he, was really he, he was playing over Jaron Jackson in the playoffs. So I think that I mean, Memphis could be a tough spot for a rookie to come in and try to get some rotation minutes because, I mean, Memphis is 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 to me they're deep everywhere. They're just young, and once yeah. they get a little bit more seasoned, man, Memphis is going to be a force a force that the NBA is going to have to deal with. Shout out to Taylor Jones, who should have won Coach of the Year two years in a row, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. They, you ask some of the, the Grizzlies fan, they would uh, they would definitely disagree with you. That's a, I was at uh, Game Four mm-hmm. in the Jazz series, and there was a guy in front of me just like the entire game. He was hollering at Jenkins, just giving him an earful, and I'm like, "Man, give this guy some credit for what he's done with this, this young team. He he is." That there's definitely shortcomings. You know, there's things that you could see that you can say, okay, you know, he needs to do this better or whatever. But overall, with what he's been able to do with the the roster that he's had, I think he's done a phenomenal job for sure. Yeah, my bad. I said Taylor Jones. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, it's all good, man. Yeah, I, I mean, I've been a fan of his because when I used to work in the G League, he was the he wasn't even the coach of the Austin. They were the Toros at the time of the Spurs now. But I, I've seen his progression from third coach to associate coach to assistant coach to working with the Spurs. And I, I think he went to the Hawks when um, Bud went there. And, mm-hmm. I mean, I think he's he's done a, a great job. I mean, if you look at Memphis this year, John missed some time with the ankle injury. It wasn't a significant amount of time. And then Darren Jackson, who, you know, a lot of people think is the second best player, missed pretty much the whole season. But they were right there. I mean, I I feel like they've overachieved and they're only going to get better. Yeah, so that's it. I like Jaron and I would be on the side that says that he's probably the second best player on the team. But I'm not convinced that he is a five. You know, there's. He's still young enough that, you know, he can put muscle on and that can be the case. And the way that the league is shifting with kind of, you know, this position is basketball, his skill set is going to be able to translate into that very easily. But that's why I'm, you know, uh, Kai Jones, Isaiah Jackson, um, you know, 
um, Usman Garuba, he he's a little undersized. He's like what six eight, six nine, I think. Is that right? Yeah, but like a seven two wingspan. So yeah, you so play he defense does. with your arms, not your head. So <laughs> to right. me, yeah. Yeah, I, I agree with that. But, you know, th- that's why I'm like, yeah, they could use more shooting. But Desmond Bain showed great things last season as a rookie. I think that he's only going to improve. Uh, yep. Dylan Brooks had a huge leap for him, made, you know, just giant leaps. He went from a guy that everybody was ready to ship off for Cheetos and a Coke to, you know, like in this playoff run, he was the second best player on the team. So, you know, if they get some guys that make that leap going into next year, they could definitely be a, a pretty big force. Yeah. I mean, if you even think about Dylan Brooks, they got him for Cheetos and a Coke. You know, like what, yeah. what it was like. I know Houston drafted him. I forgot what they gave up, but it wasn't even anything significant. And I mean, that was just a great find by, by the organization. And you look at even Tillman last year, he was. I think he was a second round pick. Yeah. And yep. he came 32 in and he something like that. Maybe yeah, early second round. And he came in and contributed in the playoffs. Like won them a game. So whoever the Grizzlies draft, I mean, I have a lot of confidence in, in their developmental program there. Yeah, they they've done a great job. You know, one thing that they they focused on, it seems like a lot of front offices like stay away from guys that are three or four year college, you know, because of their age or whatever, they feel like, okay, their floor is pretty good, but they may have reached their ceiling. And so that they've, they've went after guys that are NBA ready and that's worked out pretty well. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, that's something this year, maybe they don't have to do that because of the depth. And and that's, you know, a guy like uh, Chris Duarte from Oregon, He's a guy that kind of fits their mold. Somebody that that may fall, in, you know, he's more than likely going to be available at seventeen, depending on who's on the board. But he's a guy that stands out to me as, you know, maybe they go after him. Man, we, yeah. uh, you know, it, it's it's just tough. You don't know are they going to vary, right? You know, because they they went with the more seasoned guys, and in the Morant draft, they traded up. They got Brandon Clark, which was, you know, at, at Gon- he had played at Gonzaga. And then last year, trading up for Bain, and they had to trade up again to get Tillman. And I want to, I want to pull that up. I think it was thirty-five. Um, but you know, they, they had to move up to get him. So this front office is not afraid to move up if they like a guy. And I'm just wondering if they're going to to vary from that at all. If they're going to stay true to okay, we're we're gonna stick with guys that have been in college for a while. They did get him uh, Tillman was thirty fifth, thirty fifth pick. So mm-hmm. I'm I'm interested to see how they attack this draft this year. Well now that you mentioned it, I forgot all about Brandon Clark. Yeah. Chris Duarte's their guy. <laughs> He's, he he fits the he fits the timeline as far as a, a seasoned rookie that can come in and contribute right away. So Based off of history, outside of John Morant, it looks like Chris Duarte would be their guy. Yeah, yeah. Out of the players that you suspect are going to be available at, at that range, and and I wouldn't have a problem with that. I think that he, you know, he has a lot of a uh, lot of tools that can translate into the NBA game. And just like you said, you know, getting cracking the Grizzlies rotation is not going to be easy for whoever they draft. Yeah. You know, and, you know, barring them trading up and moving, you know 
they're, they're not going to get super high up, but you know, there's been talks about maybe moving up to seven or five or something of that nature, barring a big trade like that. I don't know that whoever they draft at 17 is going to see a lot of playing time for the Grizzlies this year. Yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be tough. I mean, even at the center spot, I think Jonas is so underrated and maybe in the playoffs, people probably had a chance to see the value that he brings, but yeah, I mean, if you got Tillman and, and Jonas and and uh, Jackson Jr. and between those three, that should cover a lot of your and then Clark, that should cover like your your, your depth at the front line. And then I mean, we already mentioned how many wings they have, unless they go for a backup point guard. So maybe somebody like Jaden Springer could be available, or maybe Sharif Cooper. But even then, like, are is Jaden Springer gonna come in and be better than Melton? I don't know. Yeah. Tyus Jones? I don't know. <laughs> so, um, uh, isn't the G League team in, uh, is it in South Haven? It is. Yep. Yeah. So whoever they draft that 17 may have to make a lot of trips from South Haven to Memphis because I think with Memphis, they can really swing for the fences on a developmental guy. Yeah. So, Around the Grizzlies, different media members and stuff like that, they they are pretty high on Zaire Williams out of Stanford. Mm-hmm. Um, we're getting pretty close to wrapping this up. Again, I, I appreciate you coming on with me. And I know you're a busy Anytime. guy. So um, d- just your thoughts on him. I think I have him, on, well, on my last mock, I have him going 18 to the Thunder, so the pick after the Grizzlies. Zaire is, is tough for me to gauge because – you know, like, do you go by the film in high school or do you go by the film in college? And I usually lean towards what I saw in college because I feel like obviously the competition in college is tougher. I don't like drafting guys based off of what they did in high school because in high school you can get away with just being that much more talented. Mm-hmm. With all that being said, a lot of people are still high on Zaire Williams and I, I get the upside. I think they said he's like 6'10 now. He flashes some shot creation ability and also shows from time to time that he can make plays out of pick and roll. But if you just look at his numbers, they weren't efficient at all. He did not have a good season. But I think there's some factors behind it. I know he started off the year. I think he was wearing like a bulky knee brace because he got into a, a cycling accident then Stanford as a team was just like a team without a home. They were living in hotels. They didn't play home games because of the COVID restrictions in Northern California. That could have played a role in it. But, yeah, I mean, if you just look at his numbers on paper, then even if you watch his film, sometimes the film doesn't really, you know, pop out to you. So I think he's a guy that is going to get drafted in the first round solely based off of the reputation he had coming into college basketball. And only time will tell if, if um, you know, he's more like the player that we saw at Stanford. I think he needs to bulk up. Obviously, he was, you know, I don't know what he was listed at, but I, I want to say it was like six nine, 180 pounds or something like yeah, that. So he's definitely got to get stronger. And... Um, and that could have been that could have been like one of the main reasons behind the struggles was he just didn't have any strength to take any contact. But I feel like he settled for too many jump shots. I didn't like the fact that he didn't get to the free throw line a lot. 
And again, that could all be related to, you know, him not looking as explosive as he was in high school from the the knee injury that he suffered in the cycling accident. So he, in my opinion, is the toughest player by a long shot to to gauge in this draft because, you know, just going by the film and the numbers, there's no way you can justify him being a first round pick. Yeah, that's I. I was looking at Isaiah Todd, and um, I like Andrew. NBA draft.net, you know, I have their ranking system where they base guys like, you know, it's like 10 or 11 things. Right. And Isaiah Todd scored higher than Zaire Williams, but on their board, they have those two separated by like 30 something picks Yep. and watching Zaire Williams, watching the college film, there was nothing that stood out to me that he is going to be able to do at an elite level in the <laughs> NBA. And that's not to say that he can't develop. Like, I don't dislike him. And I wouldn't mind, you know, seeing a team, if they take him somewhere in the 20s, taking a swing at upside. I get that. But I think anywhere before 20 may be too early based off of kind of what he's shown. You know, I think that what you said about high school is, you know, there's nothing more true. But just the level of talent, you know, if you're – dominated in high school a lot of times it's because you're just significantly better than everybody around you and that doesn't always you know when you get to the nba you're playing against the best of the best and so you're not just going to dominate because you're a better athlete than everybody around you because odds are that's not going to be the case yeah i i agree 100 percent. i know just i think he shot like 37 percent from the floor overall um i felt like there were a lot of plays where he just well, yeah, you can question his feel. A lot of plays, uh, turnovers, I, I I thought were like, I just didn't understand it. He shot twenty three percent on catch and shoot jumpers. So if you're playing on a team like Memphis, you're gonna get catch and shoot <laughs> shots. You're not yeah, gonna be able yeah, to sure. to play with the ball in your hands a lot. Um, even like on his numbers on unguarded catch and shoots, he was four for sixteen. 29% from three. I mean, he was just inefficient. And I don't mean to like well on the kid. And like I mentioned, there's some things that could have contributed to his to his lack of success in, in his college. But, you know, on one hand, you want to say, you need to go back for another year. But then on the other hand, you can say, well, as bad as a year that he had, he's still projected to go first round. Maybe going another year exposes him. So he's right. making the right business decision Mm -hmm. but i don't really know like how he's going to get better next year because if he goes to a team like memphis he's going to have to spend the whole season in my opinion with the with the g league team unless he goes to somewhere like oklahoma city or maybe even houston where they're looking to lose and they'll you know let him go out there and kind of (laughs) yeah just get his feet wet kind of like what they did with pokashevsky and I mean, I like Pokashevsky, and I mean, I think his upside is man, the sky's the limit for him. But I don't think there's another team that would have allowed him to do what he did with the Thunder. Yeah, and and Williams may have to go to a situation like that. Okay, all right, man. Well, listen, let let everybody know where they can find you, get your content. I I love it. I I watch pretty much when you release a video, I'm on there watching it. So I, I definitely enjoy what you're doing, man. Um, let, let everybody know where they can find you. And again, thank you for taking the time out of your day to come on with me. Oh, well, first of all, that means a lot. You know, like I, I spend a lot of time on those videos and 
you just never know who's watching. You never know who's paying attention. And when you reached out to me on on Twitter, I didn't even know you had watched the videos. I thought maybe, you know, you just saw a retweet that I did on another podcast. So number one, thank you for watching my videos. I appreciate that. And thank you for reaching out to me. But yeah, you can find me on my website is nbadraftjunkies.com. And then on YouTube is where most of my work is at. And you just type in the same name, NBA Draft Junkies. I have this ridiculous goal, which I don't know if I can meet it now, but I have this goal of putting out 100 prospect videos before the draft. Oh, man, it's going to be <laughs> tough. Like, I'm in, I'm, I'm actually in like Miami right now trying to get some pre draft content. And it's, I, I've been busy nonstop, so I haven't had time to even work on a video. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I may fall short, even if I fall short halfway. I have maybe 30 prospect videos up now, so that would put me at 80 total. Um, but, yeah, so I do a lot of the videos there. And then if you want to listen to, like, my podcast, I have a, a NBA Draft podcast that comes on twice a week. It's every Monday and Thursday, and it's on the Locked On Network. So it's a, it's a pretty big platform, which I'm thankful for. And it's you just go to Locked On NBA Draft, and you can find it on you can find it everywhere you get your podcast, whether it's Spotify or Apple. All right. Thanks again, man. And keep grinding. I, I promise you there's people out there that are enjoying the work. You know, I, I speak for me for sure, but uh, a lot of the people that I associate with uh, enjoy your content. So guys, we're going to get out of here. We appreciate you listening. You can find the show on Twitter at Hootball Grizz. I'm at DL2111. And Isaac, the co-host that is not here tonight, he couldn't make it. He is at Isaac underscore Rock. Isaac underscore Rivals. Sorry, English is hard sometimes. I'll do better next time. Thanks for listening. We're out. This has been a Hootball presentation. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.